this week it's all about love with the little smidge of hate. <laughs> <laughs> it's love them or hate them this week on the Fright Club podcast. I'm Hope Madden, and I'm George Wolf, and we're from MadWolf.com. And this should be this should be some fun getting into some debate about these directors. You love them or hate them, and there are some definite uh, hard opinions on these guys. I think that it's going to be a fun podcast, and we have a guest joining us to uh, cover some of these guys from uh, Columbus Horror. We have Bridget. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Big fan. Glad to be here. I'm honored. Well, we are glad to have you, and we always see Bridget out at a lot of the events, and we want to say thanks for everybody who came out last week to our last Fright Club Live, where we talked about the best in holiday horror. If you're still uh, interested in, in holiday horror, over on ScreenRelish.com, I have the Saturday Screamer this week, and I did a uh, another Christmas favorite, Shaitan. Yeah, which is awesome, and uh, it's always fun to talk to everybody that comes out, um, and we, we got some really nice, really nice comments, because a handful of people said they, they set their alarms Monday morning to our podcast that's and that is right. awesome talk that's about a right. so Christmas good miracle that's right so good morning Brandon John Tom Ron and Vanessa good morning Rob, Rob I'm sorry Rob, Rob and Vanessa good yeah, morning that is awesome thank you so much and in some of that conversation last week too we got uh, some people peeved that we didn't include two specific movies, Gremlins and Silent Night Deadly Night and actually I think Bridget was one of the ones who wanted to see Gremlins on there is that right you're a Gremlins fan I am a Gremlins fan and I'm consistently, um, I don't know if the word's humored, with the number of movies I consider to be horror movies that are not really horror movies. Well, you know what? <laughs> We've talked about that for a future podcast topic. About well, I, that was Bridget's idea. Yeah. That, yeah. That, yeah, the ones that, because basically if I've decided they're not horror movies, she just kindly said that they're clearly not horror movies. But that was, <laughs> that was my excuse for not having Gremlins on there is that I don't think it's a horror film. Yeah, well, and you knew going in that Silent Night, Deadly Night was going to be one. Yeah, we had some grimaces in the audience. There were a lot of people who wanted to see that because it's very campy and fun and, and nutty and people love it. But there are so there are hundreds of holiday horror films, hundreds of them. So it was hard to prune. And, and then when you have that many, I mean, the, that for me, the ones we chose weren't just sort of bad, campy, fun movies. They were really, they're really good movies. Yeah, but there was a little bit of dissension. So you might say with those choices, it was love them or hate them. Uh-huh. Ah! <laughs> See, Bridget, this is what professional broadcasting <laughs> Is all about those type those types of uh, segues. It's gold. <laughs> it's gold, Jerry. No, uh, it was a lot of fun, and we look forward to. Uh, we've got the date and the uh, the movie for our next Fright Club Live, which is exciting, and it's January the thirteenth, and we're going to show. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Woo! Oh, my God. We love that movie. And it's so gorgeous that even if you've seen it, you should come out because it's, I mean, it's really an incredibly beautiful film and just hypnotic to watch. So come watch it on the big screen. We're going to count down the five best female vampire movies and watch just one of the yeah. one of the best movies of the last decade. So good. And talking about Christmas miracles, if you uh, follow us online, uh, we're at madwolf.com. We're also on uh, Facebook, Mad Wolf Columbus. You may have seen Hope's Big Get this week, she got to speak to Henry Rollins. I was very excited. I was way too excited. I mean, I was, because, yeah, I, I tape it, and then I have to listen back to it so I can write it up, and it's one of those where I just embarrassed myself no, left and right. I listened to it. It wasn't nearly as bad as the first time you interv- interviewed Bruce Campbell. Yeah, that was the all-time worst. That was worst. the worst. That was the yeah. all-time worst. You're getting I think, better. I think I might have been more nervous to talk to Henry Rollins than I was Bruce Campbell, because he's an intimidating person. He is, yeah. Like, at least Bruce Campbell, you know, is just going to be goofy with you, but I was like, Henry Rollins is so much smarter than I am, and he's he's very outspoken, and he's going to call me on any bullshit that comes up at all and I was very nervous and then he called actually early the call came early which just made me more nervous because I didn't have my notes up and I didn't have my recorder out and I was yeah. like Aah! 
But he was super nice. Well, I told he's got him that he's he was plugging his new movie. He never died, which, which is great. You really enjoyed. Yeah, I did. I liked it very much. Yeah, and he was very sweet. And I told him I was nervous, and he was like, "What can I do to make you not so nervous?" I said, "You'd have to just not be you. That's basically all you could do." <laughs> can you do that? <laughs> can you? But he was so nice. <laughs> he was so nice, and uh, and it's a great conversation. So so check it out if you get a chance. Yeah, you can, it's on the website and the Facebook page both, right? So, and did you put it on uh, the Columbus Facebook page, Bridget? Yeah, he never died. Uh, we're actually going to have a meetup and movie on Monday, the twenty first. So, okay. everyone, come out at six thirty. Bring some canned goods, and we'll have a good time. All right. So, if you're checking this out, if you're one of our Monday morning fright clubbers, we love that. There's still time to come out. Uh, that would be uh, this afternoon or this evening, December the twenty first, to check out He Never Died and bring some canned goods for a good cost. Yeah. This week, as we said, is love him or hate him. Very polarizing directors and when we first started kicking this around uh, a couple of the directors that came to mind a couple of uh, parameters we wanted to set was these aren't directors that we we love or hate because of their personal lives we're, we're talking about their work right yeah so for example an obvious one would be roman polanski it's a hard guy to like <laughs> yeah pedophiles are really hard to get behind um but uh but i don't think there's any question he's a phenomenal filmmaker exactly. and there's not a lot of people who are going to quibble with rosemary's baby for example right. i mean it's one of the all-time greats and we're not gonna we can dislike him i know i do but as a human i know i do but i mean uh, you know his movies i'm still gonna go see so that's what we're talking about now there's one who kind of overlaps because lars von trier he's a hard guy he's to got like some issues we know he's got some issues mm-hmm. he's got his his movies are brilliant mm. and really i think the only one that's a full-on for me horror film is antichrist is one of my favorites yeah but then i i'm bridget might disagree i i hated nymphomaniac i thought it was so bad especially Um, for his particular canon now i think that bridget is a fan i am a fan i love nymphomaniac i I can't even say how many times i i watched it over last year and i just watched it again the other day the director's cut but yeah you know loving that movie and then thinking about how did you pronounce it von trier Mm -hmm. i I always pronounce it wrong and then thinking about when he was at Cannes uh for i think melancholia and admitted to understanding hitler you know when when i watched infomaniac and and antichrist and enjoys movies those those are the things i kind of put in the back of my head and and try not to uh remember happened yeah on on nymphomaniac i like the first part part one he totally lost me on part two i thought part one set up some nice possibilities but boy, for me, part two turned into the director just shaking his fist at society. You don't understand me. And he totally lost me on that. But uh, Melancholia, you love. Loved it. Uh, and, and, he's, and regardless of, you know, what I think of his past movie or, or, or which uh, thumbs up or thumbs down on which titles, I always want to see what he's doing. Yeah. So there are a couple of others that aren't going to make the list that we'll sort of talk about as... You know, their, you know, their colleagues come up. But those were the, we just wanted to point out, we're not talking about, because the truth is, most really great directors, they're kind of (laughs) dicks. That's what I, I mean, not that I know any of them personally, but if you read up on most of them, you're like, I don't think I want to get to know you personally. But that's not, that's not what we're, we're not criticizing that. When we say love them or hate them, we're talking strictly about their work on screen. So uh, we'll jump right into it with uh, number five on our list. And oh boy, this guy, (laughs) talk about polarizing. How about Tom Six? Siamese triplet connected via the gastric system. The human centipede. What is this? What are you doing to us? There we go. Yeah! So Tom Six, 
had kind of middling. Uh, um, he's from Holland, and he had you know some success in Holland with a couple of comedies before he really struck gold internationally with his uh, anatomically uh, driven film. Human Centipede first sequence. And you could tell from the title that this was clearly forever conceived as more than just an original. It's not just a movie that was surprisingly successful and then spawned a couple of sequels. It always, he always had planned for this to be. And, um, I really, really enjoyed the first Human Centipede. I thought that it was very well done. Um, and I gave him credit because the majority of horror films, if this was their concept, they would have ended Basically, at the end of the first reel, you would have ended when they wake up and realize that they're sewn together. They wouldn't have tried to take it anyplace else. But Tom Six is like, no, 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 no. We're going to explore this. We're going to see what happens, even if you don't want to. And let's be honest, you don't. You don't want to see what happens. But for me, not only that, I thought that was genius. But the, I mean, the villain was so great. He was so great. Um, and that that was and that's always that's always a selling point for me. I don't think that you can get away with a horror film without a really great villain. A lot of people really disregarded the original as being just sort of trashy and exploitative. And so he I was, would be one of those people. Yeah. But then he was all in with the second one. He's like, oh, you think you've seen trashy and exploitative. You haven't seen anything. So the second sequence was a really gross guy who enjoyed the movie and then tried to do it himself. And then the third one just took it to like all new levels of campy, yucky they they go, they go into it's like a it's like one of the 1970s like jailhouse exploitation movies that just goes wildly wrong and they bring both villains back as completely different characters and then they they chain up an entire like an entire ward full yeah. of inmates and it's he's not trying he's tr- he's trying to push envelopes that's what he's trying to do and um for me this movie has a lot of, the the series makes me think of things like Last House on the Left Wes Craven's original where it's like he was addressing the fact that you could see. The horrors of Vietnam on TV. So what now was the point in making a horror movie if you if if that was what you were competing with? To me, this is what Tom Six is doing with these movies. I okay, I think you're giving him too much credit. Um and by the way, the guy that played the doctor, Dieter Laser. Yeah. That's a great name. That's a great name. Uh I'll give you that. He 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 was a great creepy guy. But the first one to me was okay, maybe. And by the time it's the second and third one, it seemed to me like he was just trying to make a bad movie. Yeah, so I mean, Tom Six, admittedly, I am obsessed with. There's probably five people, including you guys, that I follow sacrilegiously on Twitter, and Tom Six would be one of them. I mean, women's panties, pocket squares. What more can I say, right? (laughs) Um, I love his lust for death in decay and dark humor. I just rewatched The Human Centipede 2 this morning. I think Lawrence Harvey plays the perfect Martin in that movie um and you know there's very few movies that really gross me out to the point of which i'm gagging and i would say the laxative scene in the human centipede 2 in addition to the uh pregnant woman escaping slash baby scene those those really hit a sensitive point um i'm biased towards black and white films i love the first one uh a lot as well but i'd have to say the second one maybe i i loved a little bit more and I also, I do have to give a thumbs up on the first poster. One of the first posters for the first sequence was a little note on there that said, 100% medically accurate. Well, and then that comes up. That comes up in both sequels because they make a joke. And, the, and the, I think my, I mean, I am a fan to a certain degree. And I, I respect is a weird word to use, but kind of respect what I feel like I think he's doing. But here's, here's where I will get a little uh, testy is that he's often... Uh, compared with because of his generally anatomical style of horror to 
Don't say it. David Cronenberg. Oh, no way. Yeah, that, that upsets me. I got to yeah, say, I, I admit. Yeah, I'm with you. You can't, he's not, he can't be in the same zip code as David no. Cronenberg. No. But no. still, I do enjoy, I, I mean, enjoy is even a weird word. I enjoyed the first one. I actually really did. I enjoyed the first one. It's hard to enjoy two or three to actually enjoy them, but I have a, 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 a weird respect for what I feel like I think he's doing. Well, I don't think, two to three, to me, seemed like he wasn't making anything that was designed to be enjoyed on purpose. But, but again, I mean, uh, if you watch Last House on the Left, and to a degree also I think The Hills Have Eyes, I don't think Wes Craven was intentionally, ma- like, I don't think he set out to make something audiences would enjoy. I think he set out to make something that would make audiences feel like they were in danger. I don't know what this guy will do. Like, I, I don't trust that I'm safe in the hands of this filmmaker, and I feel like that might be something that Tom Six was doing. To me, it seemed, especially with two and three, it seemed like more like, look at the crap I can put on film. Yeah, I guess the only thing I would add, um, he did a movie back in 2008, I Love Dries, uh, that he's actually recut uh, to be called What the F, that is supposed to come out, if not next year, the following year. Uh, I think that's a, a horror, like black comedy, kind of based on a Dutch singer who was kidnapped with a couple's intention to get uh, a bride or a mother pregnant um, in a trailer. So that, that'll be interesting to see one of his older <laughs> films recut in a different way. Two yeses and a no for Tom Six, who's number five on our list. And going up to number four, love him or hate him, Ty West. Hi, I'm calling in regards to the babysitter flyer posted outside my dorm. Tonight's big eclipse is now well underway. I feel a little weird just dropping you out here in the middle of wherever we are. You have to forgive me, Samantha, because I've not been completely honest. We actually don't have a child. They lied to you. I know. Okay, I know you're right. Here we go. That was House of the Devil, which I think is probably Ty West's most famous and 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 probably most well respected film. This is my guess. There are a lot of things about him that that are impressive. He's 35 years old. He's already made a ton of films. Um, he's already gotten a lot of notoriety. He's part of sort of a clique of filmmakers, and they all work together with these low budget, almost mumblecore esque sort of films. For me, Ty West suffers from uh, the laws of diminishing returns. And um, one of the things that he does in a lot of his, uh, his the, the filmmakers that he works with a lot, they make shorts. To me, House of the Devil, which, again, I actually think is probably his strongest full-length film, yeah. is a short that he stretched out to full-length feature film length. Um, and it's got some great things in it. Tom Noonan, yes. Yeah. Mary Warrenov, yes. Yep. And also Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig, Who's yeah. great. She's so great. But the fact is, these those three characters, those three people, are they, they play very minor characters in this film. And you spend an interminable amount of time just sort of watching this girl walk around campus with her headphones on and babysit somebody that she never goes to see. It's boring. The movie is boring to me. And it's one of those films... House of the Devil is one of those films that people who don't like horror movies love because it's not a horror movie, anyone. Um, but I think that, I mean, I, saw, I remember I saw The Roost again, uh, Tom Noonan. Like, I, I want to thank him for keeping putting Tom Noonan in movies because I love him. <laughs> and it's um, it's very, very low budget. And it's and it's a little bit dull, but it's clever and it's well done given the constraints and his age at the time. Um, and then The Innkeepers. I mean, Kelly McGillis is great, but it's boring as shit. Um, I, I just feel like, uh, for me, a lot of what Ty West does is he he ha- he writes a good short, and then he expands it to far longer than he is capable of sustaining the film. 
Um, and then uh, he made told he made me wrong for VHS because the second honeymoon was one of the worst shorts in the VHS film series. <laughs> so so anyway, basically, I had a lot of optimism about his career early on, and I've kind of given up on him. You know, I was a little surprised to see him on this list. I did. I guess I didn't realize he was that polarizing. I really didn't. I think he's okay. House of the Devil. You, I liked it more than you did, and I didn't love it. Uh, it it kind of set a creepy mood, and then the farther it went on, it lost me totally at the end. But uh, I agree with you on the actors. Um, so it, to me, uh, he was the things I've seen of him, or to me, are just kind of like okay, not that polarizing. But I, I trust you when you say he is polarizing. And, and Bridget, what do you think? I guess I'd comment on his ABCs of Death submission, M is for Miscarriage. I thought that was pretty poor. I actually did not know that Ty West had written and directed that short uh, until uh, over the last year. So that kind of struck me as odd. Um, I do like House of the Devil. Big fan of Tom Noonan, who who can't love the Tooth Fairy in any movie. I, I, you know, I, I love the homage to like, um, like the 80s babysitting job gone wrong. It did lose me a little in the end. There, there were some scenes in the end where I think with a little more diligence um, and the way they played out uh, could have made a good film, an absolutely great film. I, I think with Ty West, uh, more recently after seeing the documentary on the Jonestown Massacre, I probably have a big, the biggest problem with the sacrament, to be quite honest. Yeah, I agree. I was uh, I was kind of hopeful for the sacrament. It's a kind of film that I, and generally speaking, would get behind. Where you know, a film crew. Although I I can't tell you how tired I am of found footage, but a film crew, you know, they go to uh, to a cult basically, and it turns into yeah, sort of a Jonestown sort of a situation. And there's some good performances there. And it's one of those things where so it's the same group of people he always works with, right? Uh, Joe Swanberg. Uh, who is a filmmaker and, and, uh, and Ty West is often in his films and he's, uh, he, he stars in this one. Adam Wingard, he directed Your Next, but often appears in Ty's movies. Uh, AJ Bowen, he's an actor I love from The Signal. But anyway, so it's the same group of people are all in The Sacrament and they're all in each other's movies. And the thing is, the movies are so hit or miss. That it's almost reminds me to a degree of Adam Sandler, where it's like these group of people all work together and they make movies that more or less suck. Now, these don't all suck and they're all very low budget. And Swanberg, I think, has been the most successful because he's he did drinking buddies and digging for fire. But yeah. when they're inside the genre, I think most of these guys lack imagination inside the horror genre. This mm. is just what I think. And Ty West, they're again, I think that they mostly Ty West's biggest fans are people who aren't necessarily huge horror fans because I don't think the films he make makes are horror movies that's i don't think so so it's, it sounds to me you're almost you're, you're saying that there's there's potential there it just hasn't been realized i've given up on him i thought so at first because a lot of times i mean that's the thing if you watch the roost which isn't a great movie you think to yourself this is a guy with some time and some money and some talent he could do something and then he made house of the devil and that was his i think high watermark and for me it was not particularly good and i i don't think i think even his fans would agree he's not done anything as good as house of the devil since he made that but I feel like there are a lot, there are a lot of people, there's a crowd of people that still sort of support him. But I think it's not based on anything of real merit. That's, that's my very judgy, thoughtful <laughs> process behind that. I agree. I think uh, the more I rewatch Ty West films and other horror movies in general, I think I'm just increasingly disappointed and criticize his work even more. But will I watch his next film when it comes out? Yes. Yeah, speaking of. I'm, I'm interested in what he's going to do and, and whether or not he's going to get better in his craft. Well, I guess his next one uh, coming next year, In a Valley of Violence, 
uh, described as a Western starring John Travolta. Big big resurgence of Westerns, at least in 2015. Yes, so, absolutely. Uh, good year for Westerns. So that's his next one. And that is number, he is number four on our list of love him or hate him directors, Ty West. And we're getting into the uh, the big names now. Number three, guy that we've loved or hated many times on this podcast, mostly hated, uh, Rob Zombie. We here, we are playing on a level that most will never see. You're going to start to kill him. This started right here. This is truly the most shocking crime scene that this reporter has ever witnessed. Rob Zombie's The Devil's Rejects, usually when we're talking about uh, Rob on Fright Club, that's the one we point to as the one that we enjoyed the most other than that not a lot of love lost and boy i know he's polarizing i said i didn't realize ty west was i know rob zombie is he has got a lot of fans i don't understand it uh devil's rejects well first of all i love sid Haig. casting uh, him in both of those uh thousand corpses and um and devil's rejects was awesome i just don't see it lords of salem was boring and silly as as i didn't really like what he brought to his halloween remake i'm just it doesn't work for me I really do like Devil's Rejects a lot. And, and regardless of the fact that I haven't liked any of his other films, he's somebody that I'll still see whatever he makes, which is weird because I, I haven't liked really much of anything that he does. But but there's no getting around not only that his films are horror films, but he is a horror fan. Like what I love the most about all of his movies is the cast. And he just from top to bottom, from the guy, you know, the janitor in the bathroom that you see in one scene, they all come from horror movies i mean he uh, except for some i mean or other weird obscure sort of cultish sort of films i mean the guy who played the wolf man the black wolf man he's in halloween it's such just like a a, a where'd that guy come from it's so much fun to watch something like that which i appreciate and he also picks up threads and themes and and scenes from other movies in a way that doesn't feel like plagiarism it feels like i love this genre this is what i'm doing and i appreciate that as well and i think he does both of those things the best in the devil's rejects but I don't think much of what he does really ever works. And I'm going to take uh, Halloween as the biggest example of that, even right. though Lords of Salem is the most polarizing for us. You and I cannot stand that movie and everybody else loves it. Seems so like there it, you yeah. go. <laughs> but Halloween, from a guy who seems to really love the genre, Halloween, and I've said this before, it just seemed to me like a really arrogant correction of the original source material, which just pissed me. I spent the whole time thinking, you just think you're fixing everything Carpenter did wrong, and that makes me want to kick you in the gut. <laughs> um, Lords of Salem, I felt like, was a, an attempt to do sort of Italian horrors. I, I mean, to me, it had a very Argento sort of feel about it. So, A, I'm not a huge fan. I probably should not admit this on the air. I'm not a huge fan of, of Italian horror as a general rule. I like sort of the Lucio Fulci onward. I don't really like the Mario Bava. I certainly don't really like much Argento. So that would make it not my favorite zombie film to begin with. But then I also feel like it was just not very well done. It, well, like you said, it was silly. It mm -hmm. was a silly film. But again, the one thing I loved about it was the casting. I mean, aside from Sherry Moon. The rest of the cast, I was very excited to see all of those people in that movie. And you know what I didn't mind was a werewolf woman of the uh, women of the SS, the fake trailer in Grindhouse. I didn't mind that. I got oh, to awesome. be honest with you. Uh, Nicholas Cage, as Fu Manchu, 
Yeah, so I'll give you that. So I, I do like Lords of Salem. Um, I I love Sherry Moon. I love the storyline. I am biased towards cult movies. Um, their portrayal of the devil is unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, and I love the soundtrack. Now, there's a weird kind of video footage scene towards the end that I think we could have done without. Uh, but I love the story of addiction and this cult group taking advantage of that and the history behind, you know, the Lords of Salem and, and everything about it. So so it's, it's hard for me not to like that movie. Well, that's perfect. That works. Uh, it's love him or hate him, and that's a little bit of both for Rob Zombie. He is number three, and we're moving up to number two. Make sure I pronounce it right. M. Night Shyamalan. Why are you looking at me like that? There are two reasons why I'm looking at you like this. One, because it seems you are the only survivor of this train wreck. And two... You don't have a scratch on you. 131 people died so you could finally understand the destiny for which you were born. Are you ready for the truth? Yeah, see, that's unbreakable. Now, you, you talk about M. Night and everybody's going to say the sixth sense, but I'm so glad that uh, as the years have gone on, Unbreakable, I think, is getting more and more love because... I loved it the first time I saw it. I think it's his best movie. I still love it. I know he has earned a lot of scorn over the years since his heyday, and he has earned it, but he's also made some good movies. He has, and most of them are not horror films. Sixth Sense is, but uh, Signs isn't, although it's a very good movie. And of course, Unbreakable is not a horror film, although it's a great movie. It's, yeah. it's a great movie. And he did have that block where uh, his films were amazing. They were amazing films. But I think that what happened was he got very stuck with the idea of a twist ending. And then he worked too hard, you know, and then he made one, The Village. I remember when I saw the trailers for The Village thinking to myself, this is going to be the scariest movie of all yeah. time because it's exactly everything I'm afraid of. And then I saw it, and basically it's like a rumination on fear without ever being scary. I can't remember being more disappointed after a film than I was after that. And then he just actually took a nosedive. I mean, oh my. Lady in the Water. The Happening. The Last Airbender. After Earth. That's the thing. By, oh last, by After Lord. Earth, people stopped even publicizing the fact that he was the director because yeah. he had so little, you know, he didn't put butts in seats. He was no longer the name that he had been. Yeah. And it's almost like he believed his own hype yeah. and just bought into everything and and it boy uh it was it was just such a fall from grace but then just this year he comes out with the visit which was for us i think you agree the the best m night movie in years although not everybody loved it yeah you know um our good friends adam and claire Lowe, who are avid listeners they saw it for Adam's birthday, and Adam did not like it. He actually admitted to liking The Happening more, <laughs> if you can believe that. I can't, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> he said he was not entertained, uh, but he did admit he was, and, and I've never reached this level before, but stoned 2000. Um, now, Claire, his wife, on the other hand, sounded like she enjoyed it more. It entertained her the whole time, uh, and she thought it was one of his better films. So, um, you know, that was their standpoint. I personally love the visit. I saw it with my sister um, and our, our mutual friend Jason Tossavin was also in the audience with his younger daughter. So to just experience it in that setting and also see the view of how scary old people can be to someone younger, um, that was really memorable for me. I mean, 
old people. I love them to death. Um, but I think in the right settings, they can be some of the scariest characters around. Um, so while, you know, I had a few problems with the visit as a whole, a very enjoyable experience for yeah. me. You know, he's back to the quote unquote twist ending. And it's another one of those that you should have seen coming a mile away, but you didn't. I thought it was well paced. It had some, some scares, some creeps about it. And it seemed like it wasn't as, pretentious as those movies during his fall from grace where he really got ahead of himself and he's back he dialed it down did and and it it worked and hopefully this is where he's he's going again yeah i mean it's i think it's a fairly humble effort i mean it's it was an entertaining it was an entertaining film and it was it was pretty well crafted and had some good performances in it as well um you know it's certainly no unbreakable it was a certainly a turn in the right direction for him it was the first movie worth seeing that he had done in more than 10 years. And it was worth seeing. It was not a masterpiece, but it was enjoyable and it, and it got ya. And also um, it seemed to be one that for me and, and hope I think for you benefited from lower expectations because it's, it's M night. Okay. Oh, Okay, this is he's he's maybe he's back on solid footing here. Yeah, if I could just pick a nit here that probably people are going to go shut up. So it's te- it's technically basically a found footage movie because the the older of the two kids that have gone to visit their grandparents, um, she's making a movie uh, based on this experience. Wow, I have honestly never seen a student film with so many gorgeous panoramas in them. Like, <laughs> God, this girl's got some talent. Wow, good for you, 14-year-old girl. Don't you are the next Sorcees. get hope started on the integrity of found footage. Um, <laughs> but he's got a couple movies uh, in the works. He's got Labor of Love, described as a drama. Bruce Willis, uh, back working with him. And then uh, another drama, I guess, uh, with James McAvoy called Split. So we'll see how those turn out. And that means we're up to number one. It can only be one name. Eli Roth. Please, please just let me go. Please. You want to go? Is that what you want? Yeah, who else really is going to be number one on this list except Eli Roth? That's Hostel, of course. Maybe his most famous. Maybe the one that that put him on the map. But boy, you bring up uh, Eli Roth, and we found this out, uh, Bridget, on your on the uh, Facebook group that you run here, Columbus. Somebody just brought it up a few months ago about what do we think about Eli Roth? And holy moly, about half an hour later, you had to put a stop to it because of the scorched earth on the internet. So yeah, what's that Ron Burgundy Anchorman quote? Boy. That escalated quickly. Yeah, it got out of hand in a hurry. It did. And it, it started to get, the problem was people started to attack each other. Very personal, very quickly. Um, so I think sometimes, you know, when people talk about horror movies, if they're very attached to them, sometimes when people do or do not talk constructively, they can take it personal. And yeah, things escalated quickly. And at some point, it became less about Eli Roth and more about the individuals making right. comments. And that's not where we want to go. I think, Hope, you brought up one of the best points. Might have been in the last podcast, one of the ones lately, when uh, Eli Roth was quoted on the, pro- the problems he had with Inside. And it just seemed like, well, you know, that's the problem we have with you. He was on the Brett Easton Ellis podcast, and he was talking about, they were talking about films that uh, are sort of over the top just for the sake of being over the top. 
Which to me is just, no matter what movie you come up with, Eli Roth, pot, kettle, black, I don't know if this means anything to you, but he, he mentioned Inside, and of course, immediately I'm all pissed off because I love that movie. I'm going to give you this. Uh, the third act derails in Inside, and either you're with it or you're not with it, and I, and I understand if people are not, but he was complaining about it. He thought it made the movie, the movie became ridiculous for his, from his perspective because, all of a sudden, a woman who's clearly wearing uh, dog vomit on her face runs back into the hostel to get killed. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a whole other movie that I'm talking about. Yeah. He is so... I mean, every movie he makes is over the top for the sake of being over the top. There's no real integrity with what he's doing. And I think that my biggest issue with Eli Roth is uh, that he keeps showing up in Tarantino. No, I'm sorry. But, but also with his films is that they tend as a rule to be over the top for the sake of being over the top. I feel like he believes he's hanging it on some sort of political ideology, yes. which especially in the Green Inferno is just a load of bullshit. Yeah, so bad. I mean, the, your attempts at, at, at social commentary seem we brought up pretentious extremely pretentious and finger-wagging. And yeah, the, the Green Inferno, which uh, was supposed to be so, so shocking, that genre is so shocking. There's nothing shocking about Green Inferno whatsoever. It's, it's, and it's also so clunky in its political commentary. Oh, these kids, they're caring about something, so they're getting slaughtered. And then, oh, ah, it was all a big ruse in the first place. I did find sort of the confused social commentary to be problematic, but he's clearly attempting to resurrect a specific genre of film, which kind of died out in the late 70s, early 80s, which are the, the uh, jungle cannibal films. Oh, right. They were made at the time, m- the most successful ones by Ruggiero Diodato out of Italy. They were made at the time solely to push the envelope, solely to like sort of compete with Mondo Kane style films. It was they, they wanted to show you something you didn't want to see, you didn't expect to see, you weren't going to see anyplace else. They died out for a reason. I, I've, I mean, I've seen most of them. I, I, I don't feel like I need for them to come back for any reason. But the problem is that Eli Roth brought them back. And then even if you if you think these, this film is shocking, it means you didn't see Cannibal Holocaust, which yeah. sucks, by the way. But the thing is, he neutered it. He neutered right. the whole genre in an attempt to be shocking today. And that's just pointless, pointless to me. And if you want it, the movie that he should have made is Bone Tomahawk. Yeah. If you're going to see one cannibal movie this year, it should be Bone Tomahawk. You're not kidding. And really just for one scene, but that one scene in Bone Tomahawk, yes, that's the movie that the Green Inferno wanted to be. And in a weird way, the Green Inferno reminded me of Fifty Shades of Grey. Because what did we hear? Fifty Shades Oh, so shockingly sexual. It was a snooze fest. And that was what Green Inferno was turned out to be. I mean, it was supposed to be shocking. It wasn't. Yeah, I mean, with the Green Inferno, to be honest... I did enjoy and had a very good time watching that in a room with 70 people just wanting to see his take on the old cannibal, like, Holocaust-type movie. Um, I also have a small appreciation for some of the points I think Eli was trying to get across where, you know, in his day and age— yeah, I, I do think, you know, in, in the social media space, we have a lot of people that share views or sign up, you know, with specific views that may not be firmly behind it, where they're just maybe doing it to be popular or be a part of a crowd. But whether or not they're 100% in or not, you know, it, it's questionable. So I, I have a small amount of appreciation for it. But if I were to have seen that movie at home on the iPad by myself, 
No, it would not have been an enjoyable experience. And I, I guess the only thing I will say is, um, contrary to many, many members, you know, uh, in our local horror community, I think, I think the bigger problem I had was with Knock Knock. I think the reason that Knock Knock got much notoriety is because Keanu Reeves stars in it. So he got, you know, as opposed to like the Green Inferno where he didn't get any names and probably wasn't looking for any names. He got a named actor to be the star in this. And it's a pretty small cast and it's a, it's a remake. I'm not sure that they made that clear. It's a, Kind of a shot-for-shot remake from a 70s movie, and we did not see the Keanu Reeves version. Yeah, so, I mean, it's essentially a remake of the 1977 movie Death Game that uh, Colleen Camp um, co-starred in, and she was actually uh, one of the co-producers in Knock Knock. And, you know, I just re-watched it recently, and for, you know, a late 70s film compared to Knock Knock that just recently came out, I, I like Keanu Reeves as, as well, but, I mean... It was essentially a 90 to 95 percent remake of the original um, to say that the new one added anything would be a long shot with knock knock. You know, I think my very favorite parts of it were the end. I thought some of the, um, you know, layout was ridiculous. And my favorite moments were just seeing uh, the family portraits at the end and and some of the quotes in the movie like I shit art. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, without giving away too many spoilers, I will say my favorite part of the movie was I shit art. And I will leave it at that. (laughs) Well, and Eli Roth is also known for the, quote, horror porn genre, which right there. You know, people have different things that scare them, that they find scary in movies, just as people have different things they find funny in comedies. I don't find anything about horror porn scary. So that's going to be a, my, a, lot, a lot of my problem with Eli Roth. I'm not, I mean, so the thing about it is a lot of the other filmmakers that are lumped in with, with horror porn, Adam Green, and we don't, we're not Adam Green fans except for Frozen. I know that both of us are big fans of Frozen, which you would never call horror porn. Um, Alexander Aha, I liked High Tension. I haven't really liked anything else he's done yeah, particularly. Like but Greg McLean and Neil Marshall, they both get lumped in with that. So, you know, Wolf Creek and The Descent, these are brilliant movies. Yeah. So there are some filmmakers who are lumped in in the horror porn, and I suppose that that would make them potentially love him or hate him. I mean, I think we could have had Alexander Aha on here. I think we could have Adam Green on here as well. But the other two are just awesome. The thing is that for me, and I think for a lot of people, um, Eli Roth is sort of the definition of the horror porn genre. And it was the phenomenal and unexpected success of Hostel that I think made horror porn possible. The thing is, for me... I don't think Hostel was uh, as popular as it was because of the film itself. I believe that it was as popular as it was because when it came out, we as a nation were starting to understand that torture was on the table as being okay. So the film tapped into really deep-seated worries and anxieties that we had. And I think that's often the reason that a certain horror film takes off out of nowhere. And a a certain genre takes off for what's going on socially and politically, the the, the climate at the time. Very true. Yeah, I mean, with with Hostel, I wasn't as much of a fan as as with the first one. With the second one, um, I enjoyed it. I still tell people today, please, when you go overseas, do not stay in a hostel. Pay the extra money. Get GPS if you rent a car. For for the love of God, please. <laughs> um, I think I liked Hostel, too, because I liked how the the leads were females. 
I liked how the hero at the end was a female. I love the parallel story with the two um, male members of the elite hunting club, Stuart and Todd, and how they came together with the story and what the lead female characters were going through. And, and at that point in time, it was unlike anything I had ever seen. So do I own a copy? Yes. Do I continue to watch it once a year? Yes. Uh, but I do not uh, like the first one as much. You know, and we've said before how much we love Wolf Creek, which a lot of people would say was, was horror porn because it is awful rough. But I think it's it's such a more intelligently written and staged than some of these. Well, there's two things there. I mean, it, it is. It is a better film. It invests in character, which most horror films, including Eli Roth films, do not do. But also, as I've said, it, it's a crazy great villain. Yeah, John, John Jarrett. Jarrett is brilliant in that movie. And but even as I say this, I have to admit, I uh, I like Hostel and I like Hostel too. I don't like Eli Roth films as a general rule. I I'm the one. I hate. Cabin Fever. I hate it because it's nothing but a ripoff of better films. Pancakes. Nothing but a ripoff. Pancakes. <laughs> pancakes. pancakes. Opens <laughs> in the no pancakes club. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, and I'm, I, you know, Hostel and Hostel Two aren't my favorites, but but I do I do like them, and I think they're easily his best films. All right, so number one on our list of love them or hate them for good reason, Eli Roth. So chime in. Let us know what you think. Uh, easiest way on Twitter, at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Uh, Bridget, what are you on Twitter? Columbus Horror with a K. Columbus K-I-L-L. with a K. All right, next week we're going to have one a local filmmaker, uh, Jason Tostevin, uh, join us, which we're excited about, and uh, talk about the best horror films of 2015. Hard to believe the year is almost over. So if you're going to vote for your best horror film of the past year, Bridget, what, what's it going to be? I loved Good Night, Mommy. I loved everything about it, every minute. I think that's one. I've seen a lot of love or hate about that about that movie. Some people, we loved it, but I see a lot of people bringing it down. It's, I find that sort of funny. I mean, I, I have a hard time believing anybody could hate that film. Well, we'll get more into that next week with our guest, Jason Tostevin. But mark it down, January 13th at the Gateway Film Center uh, in Columbus. That's our next Fright Club Live. It's going to be our favorite female vampire movies, and we're going to show the great flick, uh, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. So so we're looking forward to that. Bridget, thank you so much. Please check out the uh, Columbus Horror on Facebook. And it's not just for this city uh, at all. It's for uh, horror fans, right? Well, yeah, they cover a lot of stuff. They cover everything that's going on in town, but they cover stuff that's going on everywhere. And I know that our senior Brit correspondent and our boss at ScreenRallish.com, uh, Craig Hunter, he's, a, he's a, a member. There's a lot of people globally that follow this, and for good reason. Yeah, so please check that out, uh, as well as Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook. We love to keep that rolling. So uh, we got to get out of here. It's the top five love em or hate em directors. Twitter, message us your thoughts. And until next week, I'm Hope Madden. And I'm George Wolf. And stay frightful, my friends. I hate-